Say It Loud Podcast Network, where black and brown voices truly matter. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just a Thought with Sharina Cole. So glad you guys are able to join me today. I'm so, so pumped to interview one of my favorite actresses and now director, Essence Atkins. Essence Atkins, how are you? I I feel like a little kid who just can't um, believe that like Christmas morning is here. Like I am, I couldn't sleep last night. I'm so excited. I watched TV One put a little like blurb on their social media about me talking about directing and I watched it probably three times because I still can't believe that I'm talking about directing. I just think it's dope and we're going to get more into it, but I have to ask you right now, was directing ever something that you really desired to do as you move through the industry or is this something you kind of just kind of walked into via the experience that you've had? It was something that I walked into via the experience that I've had. I've had a number of people over the last probably more than a decade talk to me about um, directing, basically seeing something in me that said that I would be good at the helm, that I think like a director, that I, um, in terms of like being aware of production pitfalls and issues ahead of time, what as an actor, I never go to work just thinking solely about what it is I'm supposed to be doing, even though when it's time to focus on just that, I can. But oftentimes, as I'm moving throughout my day, I have an awareness about the sunset, what the issues are, all that stuff. And for a number of years, people who are directors have said, you should direct. Like the way that you think, the way that you approach storytelling is very much in that vein and so this happened um unexpectedly but this is something that again has been kind of in the ethos since 2006 maybe wow and and you use the word unexpectedly i feel like that's been the theme of 2020 and in saying that i mean you have been able to sustain in this industry as a working actress as i like to call it for many many years covid hits How have you adjusted in that vein? And then also on the other side of it, how have you stayed mentally and spiritually sound amidst everything that's going on? Um, Well, the first thing that I will say is that I like being alone and I like (laughs) being at home. So that helps definitely. But, you know, much like everyone, I think when our choices are taken away, that's when you feel anxiety, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm choosing to stay home and that is fine by me. But when someone tells you you should stay home, then it becomes a bit more of a panicked situation and it doesn't feel um, like a a free choice or your free will. Um, That being said, it's been really good for me. Like as much as I've had my moments And there have been a number of them where I have been um, anxious or I have felt um, obviously horrified by some of the stuff that's occurred um, social injustice wise and civic, you know, from a civil rights standpoint, I've also done like deep dives, you know, into my own dysfunction or trauma um, and doing exactly what you're saying. Like I've gone deeper spiritually in terms of just the discipline of 
being in my word. I'm a believer, a Christian. So I've just been deeper in my word. I've been, I've joined two Bible studies. Um, I've been completely committed. And I've also like done other things to kind of give myself peace. Like I love to act and I love being creative. So my acting coach, she was also shut down. She's like, would you be open to like a master Zoom class? And I was like, wow. yeah, sign me up, you know? And so we wrote monologues, we did scenes, we rehearsed via Zoom, but it was like a great way to kind of stoke the creative fire and the creative juices. And then the other thing that I did, which I think has helped tremendously. And when I say it's helped tremendously, it's gonna, you're gonna, when I say it, you're gonna think I'm talking about them, but I'm actually talking about me, is my son's school closed. Um, unexpectedly in July, we got this email notice that they had to pull the plug. They lost their financing. He wow. attended a private little Christian school, very small student body. He only had 13 kids in the entire second grade last year. Mm -hmm. He's been going to this school since he was two and a half. The curriculum and the school existed through um, junior high. So we were not expecting him not to continue going yeah. there. And when we got the news, I immediately felt a sense, a surge of panic. I mean, again, my son's been with some of these kids for six years. He'd been in lockdown, like all these kids for months. He hated it. It was very challenging. And now I find out he doesn't have a school to go back to whenever we do go back. Wow. Um, and in the midst of that and doing a random Google search, trying to find a nearby school that was comparable um, the Holy Spirit said, empty your guest house. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, what, what was that? God, huh? But I you like being alone, that? Jesus. What in this, what, what does right. that mean? <laughs> right. I like being alone, Jesus. And you know how I feel about kids. I like very well behaved children, especially my own. But like, I was like, what? And so literally that afternoon, I called my son's best friend's mom. And that afternoon I had her and two other families sitting in my living room. And wow. we started talking about doing like a community, like a village basically. Um, and so my guest house was emptied. And three weeks later, our kids were in school in my little guest house. So that was just an amazing thing um, to be obedient to just because like, it's hard to stay funky when you've got eight and nine-year-olds coming ready to yeah. learn and excited and play like right now I can hear them playing in my backyard they're running they're laughing they're swinging on the swings um that has been such an amazing amazing gift to me and we have such a, an incredible little village there's seven families we have two sets of sisters um one of the dads is an ex-navy um officer and he comes and teaches PE twice a week one wow. of the moms is a pediatric nurse so you know she helps us instill protocols to keep them safe um, one of the moms is a professor at Pepperdine and her specialty is child psychology so we can check in with her if we're having an issue like it's just it's so amazing what God has done and I really feel like the doors that open particularly this door 
with directing, even though, like I said, it's been kind of in the atmosphere for a long time. I think that yes happened now because I said yes to being of service. I'm glad you shared that because one of the things that stuck out to me as you were talking is that oftentimes God may ask us to do something very outside of our comfort zone when he's trying to move us into the next direction. And we don't necessarily think about the fact that we already have the tools. You mentioned all these parents that are well-equipped to be of service with you, but that's not what we think about when, when God first says, open up the guest house. You're like, I don't want to open up the guest house. Even with directing, you said, like, you've said so many people have said to you over the years, you've got what it takes, you've got what it takes. And so, you know, for anybody listening too, just know when it's time to move, when God gives you that directive, know that you've, he's already placed in your hands what you need to be successful. So I just, I think that's a powerful story. And I want to ask you, you know, in doing the homeschooling and building this community, what's the biggest lesson that, that you've learned? It's, it's to your point that being obedient is really like an incredible keyhole and it, and it blossoms and it, it, you know, it's cyclical in how the reciprocity of blessings works. It's like, you think, you think you're doing this altruistic thing, but really you end up being overwhelmed by what is given to you. When I tell you, when you're in a place where you feel unsure, unsafe or sad or lonely, and then again, you have these children coming with so much exuberance and so much joy. And they're yeah. like, Miss Essence, Miss Essence. And you take their temperature in the morning, you high five them and tell them to go mm -hmm. have a great day. And, you know, good luck on your math test. Are you ready? Like that has given me, that's been like the best soul vitamin boost I could mm. have during, for such a time as this. Wow. You know, so you think that you're Esther, but you just don't realize the, how the kingdom will bless you back. Um, and so it's really been an incredible thing. And I, and I was listening to a little soundbite of Emmanuel Acho who wrote, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And now it's his third week on the New York Times bestseller list. And he had this interview with Lewis Howes, who's a friend of mine, big um, bloggist, has a... Uh, School of Greatness, which is a great podcast. Um, he basically told Lewis, he's like, you know, pick up when the phone rings, pick up. And I really feel like, you know, and it's a, it's a unknown caller because you just don't know. And really like, I had no idea that being obedient to the spirit directive of emptying my guest house would just turn into what it's turned into. And there's been so many times where unexpected things, like you said, this year has been full of that. And I really feel, I challenge all of us to find ways, especially if you're sad. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like if you, if you want the ingredient to get out of your own funk and get out of your own, like, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's, to make light of it because it can be very dark find a way to be of service find a way to give something to someone who really cannot give you anything back there's something that is unlocked in that the economy of god that works in mm. a different way than man does it's not a tit for tat thing wow did, did anybody ever tell you about ministry as well or you just <laughs> <laughs> you just go um, stick well, to directing for that <laughs> know that I'm supposed to write a book so okay. I, I'm trying to figure out I already know like the the way that it, I want it to be done and the way that it's been given to me to be done I actually need a partner so I don't know who that partner is yet okay well prayers out that you find the right writing partner because there's definitely yeah. I've never heard anybody say economy of God that just hit me like boom so I said man essence you're turning up you need to be in <laughs> pulpit or something but um <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit you know yeah 
talk about the quarantine, people spending time, you know, in the house. And one of the things that I've been doing is watching Netflix a lot. And (laughs) (laughs) I had this conversation with Golden Brooks uh, a few weeks back because I'm 34. And so girlfriends, I see it very differently now than I saw it back then. Same thing for half and half. And this is to not discredit you all, but I enjoy it more now. And maybe because I've gone through certain life circumstances. First off, have you been watching this along with us? And if so, was there any epiphanies that kind of came about as you kind of were able to enjoy the show again several years later? Um, you know, it's funny. I don't like to watch myself, but my son wanted to see it. So he's like, mama, can I watch this? And I said, yes. Not realizing how much we talk about sex on the show. (laughs) I was like, oh boy. But the good news is it's all over his head because he's only eight. So he doesn't really know what sex is yet. So he's not, he, it's like, he doesn't know. There was one episode in particular where Mona's vibrator was inside of a box and the box kept vibrating. And he's like, mama, what's in there? I'm like, a car? <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, so yes, I, watching the show, I appreciate it even more. Like at the time, I loved the show and I thought it was extremely funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hardly ever in my dressing room the four years that we shot 91 episodes I was always on the stage because I, I just loved watching the other actors actresses work I mean it was just so much fun to watch them do their thing and to be a part of it as well but yes in watching it now I definitely have an even deeper appreciation for how smart it is mm. for how funny it is um, for how much we deal with like real things that occur within families in terms of like broken families, blended families, um, yeah. families that get together later on and reconcile in adulthood after being separated for long periods of time. And I just applaud so much, you know, uh, Yvette Lee Bowser, who uh, created Living Single and is the was the showrunner for um, Dear White People and is now uh, showrunning a new show on Stars called uh, Run the World, which is coming out soon and looks so good. Wow. Um, with Risha Webb, who is my best friend on Marley. Um, yeah, so I'm so happy that they've connected uh, as well. But I just applaud Yvette for really putting a lot of her own life onto the screen because she also had a half sister. They had different mothers um, and there were definitely very big differences in the dynamics in terms of how they felt connected to their dad or didn't feel connected to their dad. And Rachel True also has a younger sister, a half sister. They had different mothers. So there was a lot of like, We were kind of putting a lot of our own experiences and healing through them. I mean, that's the great thing about being a storyteller, right? Is that you get to, you get to take your life experience and funnel it through a character, but there's so much catharsis in examining it with a little bit of distance, with a little bit of distance. I love how you put that. I love how you put that. And I want to jump into Christmas Dilemma because I saw the film It's just, it's different. And this is why I love it. It's not your traditional, oh, come all you faithful, la, la, la. (laughs) You know, it it really plays into some of the things that I think need to be discussed more within the Black family structure. So I loved how you guys put the film together. And one of the things that kept coming to me as I was watching is boundaries. I feel Mm. like Black families struggle because we're, we're just, we're very in tune and in touch with each other's lives very intricately. And I think sometimes more than other races, where it's very difficult for us to say, 
you're getting on my nerves. You got to get out of my house or I can't talk to you today or whatever. We just kind of allow things to happen because we love one another. Right. So as you're directing this film, you know, what are some of the mantras that you want people to walk away with when they see this? I mean, that's definitely one of them. Communication is really important and, and exactly what you said, like respecting, respecting the new nucleus, yeah. you know, when you get married, you, it really is, uh, you know, a man leaves his, his mother and father and cleaves unto his wife and the two become one. Like it really is a new family and you incorporate the rest of your circle, um, you know, accordingly but like it's just really important for the health of the couple if you really want to support the marriage it's really important that you release them and allow them to build their own thing now because that's the point right yeah. um and so you very much see the conflict of them trying to get on the same page as a newly married couple and also them going, you know, people pleasing, which I think a lot of us struggle with, particularly in the black family, you know, it's like, and exactly what you said, just not having boundaries, not knowing how to erect those boundaries, not wanting to be disrespectful to our peers and our elders, because that's such a big part of, of what we're taught as a community and what yeah. we value, um, wanting to pay reverence and, on, and, and honor our, our elders, but at the same time, that gets taken advantage of, and the lines get very, very blurred, and like you said, you impose your perspective on where it doesn't belong. Um, so yeah, that was definitely something that I was very conscientious of. And, and as a director, it was a great privilege and an honor to be able to have a full arc and to execute fully, not just from my character point of view, but really from to serve the story. Like yeah. that, that I think that part made me a little drunk with power. <laughs> like I really like being able to influence the entire piece to put the entire puzzle together and to that point I mean I, I can only imagine it may and maybe you weren't but I can only imagine there being a little bit of nervousness kind of coming into this situation with this being your first time directing how did you grow as a director from the start to the wrap Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, there was so much I had to learn because again, this came to me. It wasn't something that I was seeking. So I had to catch up. You know, I made phone calls. I asked some friends of mine. I reached out to Keisha Sharp, who was my best friend on Are We There Yet? Um, she's a director as well. And I reached out to her. She had just lost her mom to pancreatic cancer. And I felt bad asking but at the same time like I said how would you feel of just giving me 20 minutes of your time and she was so gracious to say yes and she gave me a, a really wonderful book as a tool to kind of help me catch up um, to the prep work that needed to be done before we started shooting and what's really interesting is again I've been doing this so long I didn't realized how much I actually knew. Yes, mm. there's still so much I have to learn and there's still so much from a technical camera aspect, which is why I was so grateful to have my uh, DP, Jelani Riley, who's a brother from the Virgin Islands and he killed it and he's so creative and wonderful and he was just such a support and such a, a great collaborator. But um, there's so much that I knew there's so much that I knew because I have been doing this for so long and I haven't been doing it in a bubble just thinking about me. I've been doing it thinking about the entirety of the piece, the entirety of the production, things running smoothly, anticipating problems. So that is why I think so many people before this had said, 
you know, you should direct. Um, and then I got in the seat and I was like, oh, I mean, you know, to have your first piece be something that airs, mm. what a blessing, right? Your first yeah. time be something that airs to have a really, you know, a substantial budget for your first time project to direct during COVID and everybody walk away from it safe and intact. That was a, an incredible blessing, but I was also very conscientious of that, trying to make sure that we had everything in place to, to execute, to keep people as safe as possible. There were just so many things that, um, that forced me to learn and grow and just dealing with personalities, you know, yeah. having, having, being a privy you know, as an actress, you're kind of in a bubble, right? You're yeah. just like, you're this little thing, this like doll, and they take care of you and they, <laughs> they put your clothes on and they make you look pretty or not, or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and they kind of pamper you as a director. I'm aware of all of it, of all, of all the things that are happening behind the scenes. And I still, in my mind, got all my shots. I've got, I've got my pages. I've got my day mapped out and I'm now, but I'm also like having to manage all of the caveats and things that just happen throughout the day of production. And I have to say, I, I did, I did pretty good. <laughs> I, think, I think you did your thing. And I have to ask you, um, Essence, before I let you go, you have such range. You've done serious, you've done satire, you've done sitcoms, you've done dramas. When you think about your acting and your directing, what direction do you want to go in as we're closing out 2020 and going into 2021? Well, uh, I know I'm going to direct again. I don't know what, but we're looking for something for me to do, uh, which is great because I love it and I can't wait to do it again. I'm really excited, um, but I'm actually leaving. I'm in LA and I'm heading to Atlanta because I'm getting ready to do a recurring role on the second season of First Wives Club. So Yay! I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to work with those ladies. Um, I have actually happen to love and adore and be friends with Ryan Michelle Bathe. Um, so I'm so excited about working with her. She is, you know, she plays Ari on the series and um, I'm really looking forward to working under the helm of Tracy Oliver, who you guys know, wrote a girl's trip and she's doing so many incredible things as a new showrunner and writer producer. So I'm just, I'm geeked. Like, I don't know. I'm like, yes, God, more please. Like, you got this. I, you know, I can't plan it better than he can. Mm. So I just try to stay prepared and stay peaceful in the, in the lulls, right. In the space yeah. between try to just be at peace. Right. And it's interesting you say that because those are the most restless times for a lot of us, me in particular, I, I struggle with those, those lulls. It's like, okay, God, what are we doing? I'm just sitting here with, uh, and it's like, you can identify, yes, I'm going through a transitional time, but at the same time, mm -hmm. it's very difficult because you start to look around you. Comparison's another thing that, that jams yeah, us up, but man, you know, your advice to people, especially young creatives, um, who are in that lull season right now, and, you know, we have the pandemic that's stacked on top of that, but I really have really strong desires, dreams, and very talented, but not necessarily clear on their next move, but they're doing the work. What would you say to them as we move into an, another year? I mean, continue to, to stoke your creativity. You know, don't wait for the phone call. Don't wait for the end of something to begin. Mm. You know, I think that's really important. Like use, utilize your community, utilize the technology that you have available to you. I mean, at this point now we all have a smartphone and there's much that, you know, they've progressed to the point where you can do things and, and create things together and assemble it. Um, there's all kinds of apps and stuff like that. But I just 
whatever that is, I just don't, I just hope that you don't get stagnant. I mean, I am 48 years old. I've always wanted to learn to play the piano and a month ago. Oh, wow. And it's a really nice piano, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. It's actually a keyboard, but it, <laughs> it sounds like a piano. It has great sound and and I'm learning to play. I've always wanted to learn. And it's not because I'm going to be Alicia Keys. It's just because it's something to do. And we are supposed to be safer at home. So it's something I can do when it gets quiet and it's low. And, you know, um, there's other things that I've done that have definitely kept me at peace. You know, I've joined two Bible yeah. studies. Um, I've been really dedicated about that and making sure that I'm being very diligent about maintaining my soul, um, mm. especially, you know, in the, in the climate around us, because the climate is changing, but he does not. So That's it's right. really important to, to keep grounded in that, but just give myself fun stuff to do. That's just like, Oh man, I suck. I suck. <laughs> I suck at piano, you know? Well, I'm, myself. <laughs> I'm hoping man, I'm going to challenge you to this and you might think I'm being funny, but I'm serious. You should do okay. a recital when you feel good. You, when you feel comfortable enough, you should do a recital for all your fans. I will be there. Okay. Front row and center. Recital, but I should just tell you, it'll probably be all horror theme music. Because <laughs> I like to play horror theme music and freak myself out. <laughs> Well, Essence, I want to thank you. You, I want to first thank you for all that you've invested with intention in this industry. I've been a fan of yours for many, many years. You are a class act. So thank you for your example and all your amazing work. Very happy for you. Not a lot of women of color out here doing the things that you're doing. So I wish you all the best. Job oh, well done. Thank you. Thank you. Essence. Thank you so much. Thank this you. was a it blessing. Was a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great, great day and thank happy you. holidays. Thanks for listening. This is Just a Thought, hosted and produced by Sheree Nicole in association with Sheree Nicole Media and the Say It Loud Podcast Network. In addition to Apple Podcasts, Just a Thought is also available right now on Stitcher and Radio.com. And make sure that you subscribe and rate us and also tell a friend. You can follow the Just a Thought Podcast on Instagram at Just a Thought Show. And on Twitter at Just a Thought Win. That's W I N. You can also follow me, Sheree Nicole, on Instagram and Twitter. Same handle, Sheree underscore Nicole, S H A R I underscore N Y C O L E. It's just a thought, it's just a thought. It's my opinion. It's just a thought, it's just a thought. Get out your feelings. It's just a thought, it's just a thought. It's my opinion. It's just a thought, it's just a thought. Get out your feelings. It's just a thought, it's just a thought. It's my opinion. Say It Loud Podcast Network, where black and brown voices truly matter.